0: Hello everybody, it's Mark, yes, episode 50 of the Rampant Mumblings, and now we've got Christmas, New Year's, and all the other shenanigans, and back to work out of the way, we can get on with the most important thing of the year. More epic than Star Wars, more intense than Spectre, although I've got to say I really didn't think much of Spectre, and more grandiose than Jurassic Park. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Forget about the Olympics, forget about the Euro soccer or football as we as it's properly called. Forget about any other sporting event because as of this sat- Saturday, the only sporting event that matters this year has started. It's the 2016 Lakeside Darts Championship, everyone. It's 9 days of darting goodness, and I really couldn't be happier. There's actually something to watch on TV. It's been awful. I don't know what it's been like over there in the USA, Canada, and wherever else you are, but over here, my word. And it was made all the more worse because at the time, I had a TV guide app to review, which is going to be coming up later in this show. And it just made me realize, oh, it's just absolute bobbins. And so for next week's show, I'm going to be telling you about the devices that I use over the festive period in probably a very lately timed episode 51 of the rampant mumblings while i hopefully have the guest on and what i'd have on two weeks ago that well we ran out of time basically so all that and coming up and of course we will have nemo's hardware store as well all coming up on this episode you're listening to
1: the rampant mumblings
0: So somehow I've managed to reach episode 50 of this show, and I never sort of thought where I'd go or what I would be doing when I started back in episode one. But I do remember that back in my first ever show, and I'm not sure if I published it, it might have just been on the rather excellent Latched Up. I had a bit of a rant about the Fitbit Charge HR. Now, it wasn't the device I had an issue with. It was more the fact that... The device cost about £65, but the cable cost £15. So I had a bit of a rant to say, well, everyone thinks that Apple have overpriced cables. Take a look at everyone else. It wasn't so much it was the it was the, the price of the cable that annoyed me, it was a fact that there were none in stock. Anyways, I found my cable, but somehow I've managed to lose my Fitbit in the last two months. So, my good lady partner decided for Christmas she would get me a new fitness device. Quite handy. And so she got me the Garmin, Garmin, I should say, Vivoactive. The Garmin Vivoactive is a multi-fitness sports tracking device thingy, and it will track things such as running, biking, swimming, which is great because it means it's waterproof, walking, and golf. And it's when I saw golf, it made me wonder how much of this device was conceived by people who actually do sport. And how much of it was conceived by a bottom line. And it was when I put it on, that's when my worries started to become a bit more realised. But before I go into this, I do need to say that all the opinions on here are obviously mine and mine are subjective. You may love this device, but for me, well, we'll go into that in a second. So let's start with construction. If I had to sum up the construction, I would say it's very plasticky. It doesn't have that tactile feel or sense like the Apple Watch does. And I know I know they're two different devices, but they're close enough and they're competing against each other in some ways that it's really not hard to make the comparison between the two. Apple might have coined the term fluorolastomer or whatever it is, but I've got to say it feels comfortable. It feels like it's going to... Break in, it's going to become more supple. Not so much with the Garmin. The strap is that thick, for me it feels like I'm wearing a shackle. And despite it having many, many notches to adjust to an almost infinitely sized wrist, I can't get it to fit properly on my wrist at all. It always just feels like, well, I know it sounds daft kind of having something on your wrist, but it's a noticeable having something on your wrist. Now, the good news is it is waterproof and the touchscreen is fairly scratch resistant so far. I haven't had a scratch on it yet, but uh, that's obviously going to happen. And it is a very utilitarian, rugged sort of device. If anything, it sort of reminds me of those 90s Casio watches you used to get with a rubberized strap. Although those, those straps were rubberized and actually felt sort of okay. Maybe I'm looking at it with a bit of rose-tinted glasses. But you know what I mean? It felt like something you don't mind having on your wrist. Yet with the Garmin, it just feels stiff and unforgiving. Now, granted, if you're going to be going swimming and running, you do want something that's substantial. But I just sort of feel like they've maybe gone overboard with it. The clasp that sort of keeps the strap in place, when you adjust it to the wrist, I don't know the actual name of the bit that I'm supposed to uh, call it by, that's actually one of the old style ones. And I've actually noticed that when I'm typing, it tends to grate more on my keyboard than, let's say, a certain other sports device watch. That I've been trying recently and the little buckle that goes around the end of the strap to keep the, the flap, the strap from flapping around as well. is just all very big. Now, granted, this might just be me and uh, being a bit whingy, but it just overall, it just doesn't feel comfortable. The screen itself, I think, is an OLED screen. I should go ahead and look this up, and it's not bad. It's big enough. Uh, around the side, though, at the top to the bottom, you've got about I would say a seven mil border, and on the left and right side, I'd say you've got about a three to four mil border. So, although the screen looks quite big in the press shots and all the reviews, it really, really isn't. On the side, you've got the button to illuminate the screen, and that's all it does. It just illuminates. That's it. And then on the right-hand side, you've got another button to control your activities. Now, it was after two runs that I decided that I wasn't going to base this podcast on this watch. And I'll tell you for why. Because both times I've trusted it with my data, it screwed me. It's ruined my run. Now, I know this sounds a bit stupid, how can you get put off by a device on your run? And the answer is, when you start running, or at least in my case, you get very focused. The smallest sort of upset really does sort of throw you off at times. Not all the time, but when it comes to losing your data, then you really do start to throw the toys out of the pram, as is what's happened with me every single time I've used this blinking device. In fact, I'm actually going to pause the podcast and go and get my Apple Watch back on just out of, well, sheer frustration, especially coming from a company that you would think are quite big in the sort of world of sports devices, especially given the Amazon reviews. Also, especially given the price point, I've just had a look now on Amazon. So the Garmin Vivo Active with heart rate monitor, the heart rate monitor isn't built in. It's one of those things you have to wear around the chest. It's around about $230 or £175. The next competitor that I found, which I'm also reviewing, is the TomTom Tom Spark. Now, This also has a built-in GPS like the Garmin. It also has a built-in heart rate monitor that the Garmin doesn't. It also has one extra feature that you can pair some headphones with it, although we haven't managed to successfully do that yet for some weird unbeknownst reason. So you can actually run with just a watch, listen to music and track your runs, which is all I really want to do. I don't want to carry my phone with me. Granted, it's good to have it as a security device, but you you just want to go out there and just think, Watch headphones running go. So, the TomTom Spark is about £175 here in the UK, and again, you could pick it up for around about $230 from Amazon. And as always, the links are in the show notes and on essentialmac.co.uk. Click on the Rampant Mumblings link at the top. And, of course, we've got the Apple Watch. Now, the Sports Edition can be picked up for about £230 or about $259, but you can get them from Target at Best Buy at a lot lower price. So you can see there, the competition is out there. And if you're going to be in a competitive field, you've got to make sure you don't do stupid, stupid things. And, of course, the Apple Watch doesn't have uh, a Bluetooth, um, sorry, not Bluetooth, a GPS monitor in it, but you can take your phone. But... So it kind of wins, it kind of loses, but it's more multifunctional. If I had the inclination, because I just don't like this watch so much, I would tell you about how barbaric the notification system is on the Garmin compared to the Apple Watch. But I'm going to save that for another show. Big hint, another show. More on that later, maybe. So what is it that's got me so wound up 50 shows later? Well, the other day I was going for a run. And you start your run by pressing the button on the side, selecting running, and waiting. The GPS rate, kick, the GPS thing kicks in, the heart rate monitor kicks in, and away you go. Halfway along the route, I need to tie my laces up. I didn't turn on auto pause, because I'm trying to avoid that. And before you know it, there's other people coming along wanting to say hello to me and happy new year. So I decided to press the stop button on the side of the watch. Important word there, stop not pause. Now what happens when you press this button on the right hand side is that it stops the run and about five seconds later it pops up over the screen, press to resume on the top half of the screen, then in the bottom left you've got a trash can and on the bottom right you've got a save icon. Now this is on a touch screen, so you've got to be very very careful here not to touch the wrong thing. It's good news if you touch the trash icon because it will say you touch it, and then it pops up a new window saying, are you sure you wish to discard this? Yes or no? Brilliant. I'm not actually going to actually delete things, and if I want to delete them, I can. However, where it screws you, and why I'm not happy, is if you press the save button, boom, it's done. It's saved. There's no, are you sure you're finished? Are you sure you want to save? Are you really, really sure? It saves it dead. So what happened with me, I was running along, trying to be like a professional runner or at least getting rid of some of the Christmas weight, pressed a button on the side of the watch, and I thought, ah, I'll be a bit clever now. These devices are made to be intuitive. You shouldn't have to look down at them. Surely I can run just by tapping the button again. And without looking, I pressed a button, missed a button, my finger must have slightly hit the screen, and the next thing you know, 1.3 miles through my run, I'd saved it. That's annoying. Incredibly annoying. This means you have to start a new event. And because you're starting a new event and you finish the old one, it has to go and re-get the GPS signal, has to refine the heart rate monitor. So you've got about a 10 to 30 second wait, depending on where you are, what you're doing, and start again. This also has a bit of an impact on your stats because it's going to show you a different stride rate at a different pace per mile, rather than showing you what it is overall. So you end up with two. Uh, you end up with two results based in the Garmin Connect software, the Garmin Connect software, which by the way sucks because when it's going to sync and how it syncs seems to be some black magic. And if that, and that's just in case, it's not writing the same data to Apple Health four times. I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I stopped doing it. And I was really, really impressed that on Boxing Day, i walked 20,000 miles until I went and checked the data and ended up spending 10 minutes deleting all the errant entries. But that's by the by. So now I'm left with one run that's split into two. And because I synchronise with RunKeeper and Strava, I now have to go and edit them both. There are utilities out there where you can merge two GPX files together. And I tried that. I exported them from Garmin, merged them, and then re-imported them into Strava and Runkeeper just to keep things in sync. But it misses out things like my step rate and my heart rate. And it sounds stupid to be ranting about the fact that there is no are you you sure you wish to save. But why put it on the trash and not put it on the save where you know you're going to be hitting one of those buttons to say pause it? Now, yes, I could go on to pause. But I don't want to, because as far as I'm concerned, auto pause isn't that reliable because it takes a little bit of time to get going and not get going. And I'd rather know what I'm recording and what I'm not recording. But that's just my personal preference. Now, in case you didn't think that was annoying enough on the subject of data, let me give you one more source of annoyance. I walk quite a bit. I probably walk about five, six miles a day with the two Labradors up on the airfield or around the beaches. And sometimes I just want to record it just to see how far we've gone, the elevation or just for something for giggles, really. So over to the Garmin select walk, wait, GPS kicks in as you'd expect it to and go for a walk, get back, you know, finish the walk, press stop, wait for it to sync. Brilliant. No problem at all. Garmin Connect shows me all the data I need to know. Then you go into Runkeeper or Strava only to find the run isn't, sorry, the walk isn't classed. i give it away then. Only to find that the walk isn't classed as a walk, for some reason it's decided to sync it as a run. And again, that doesn't help because if you have a training plan in your Runkeeper or Strava or whatever fitness app, it's going to screw that up because it's going to think you've done extra training when you haven't, you've just been walking. So as you can tell, I'm not a happy bunny. This is why I made my earlier comment about you have to wonder how much of this was designed and conceived in a boardroom on a spreadsheet and how many people are actually involved with the making of the device. Because surely this could not have got past someone who actually uses this. Now, I have gone ahead and I've gone and looked around for solutions and the Garmin forums are a bit of a mess. No, it's... To me, a device like this should be intuitive. It should be simple to use, especially when you're running. Could you imagine what this would have been like if I'd had this device doing this to me on a half marathon? It's just completely soul-destroying on a 1.3-mile run, let alone a half marathon. Speaking of which, someone had the great idea on New Year's Day to think, oh, I know, I'll set myself a challenge. I'll run a 10K race at the end of January. Stay tuned for how that's going to go.
1: The Rampant Mumblings, operating on a no-win, no-fee basis.
0: Now I've gotten that out of my system, let's go for something completely different, and I'll hand you over to Mr. John Nemo. So, John, over
1: to you and your Nemo's hardware store. Happy New Year, everybody. There's a new company called Winner Gear, not winter, but Winner. W-I-N-N-E-R-G-E-A-R, wintergear.com. And they have a product that you have been wanting for a long time. It costs $20. It has free shipping worldwide. You heard that right. Free shipping anywhere in the world. Comes in a bunch of different colors. It's well constructed. And it is a cable. A micro USB tip at one end and a USB 2 flat plug at the other end. What's the big deal? The big deal is the name. Get ready for the name. The name is Mike Flip Fully Reversible Micro USB Cable. It's a stretch to say it's fully reversible. What it means is that the micro USB tip can be put in either way, like a lightning tip. So you know how you're always putting in the USB cable, the micro USB, the wrong way first. And you can't always put it in the second way first if you get my drift. So this way you don't need to worry about it. Here's what it sounds like. It doesn't matter. The flat part, the standard USB part, has to go in the way that it typically does. But the micro USB part that's very small and finicky and hard to get just right can go in anyway. Well done, Winter Gear. Thanks for sending us a review sample. Hope you sell a zillion of them and hope you ship them to every country in the world. Something else that you can give yourself a gift for this New Year's holiday season... Spend about 45 minutes going through all of your boxes and crates and compartments and drawers and automobiles and closets and get rid of all the stuff you're not going to use. If you haven't used it in the last year or two, you can get rid of those Firewire 400 cables. You can get rid of all those 40 and 60 and 80 gigabyte drives that you're not going to use anymore. All of your zip drives, all of your old speakers and headphones that you're not going to ever use anymore. Any of that stuff all the batteries and the cables and the chargers, any of that junk that's just collecting dust around your house, get rid of it. I've got a nice pile of it over there in my office and I'm gonna spend a little bit of time tomorrow getting rid of the rest. Take it to Goodwill, donate it, put it on Craigslist, give it away, don't try to sell it, just take it to your user group, take it someplace where somebody will use it and not just toss it into a landfill. So give yourself a gift of space with a little bit of investment of time. You'll feel good and whoever lives with you will be really appreciative of the extra space that you've given to yourself. A couple of recommendations if you've got some time to enjoy some entertainment, some adult entertainment. This is definitely not safe for work and it's not family entertainment. Two shows that I can recommend personally, two short series from Netflix. First one is called The Honorable Woman, and we will have the links and I'm going to do my best to get a link from Mark so that you can see this in different countries. Because I know Netflix links are a little bit specific to the country. But I will help you find it. It's called The Honorable Woman. It's a very serious political family drama. Highly recommended. One of the best things ever on Netflix. And another one, totally different, called Magic City. Whereas The Honorable Woman is set in a contemporary time, The Magic City is set in the late 50s and early 60s, with all the music and all the clothes, All the Art Deco in Miami where it's set. It's about a family that's trying to keep a hotel business in business under very stressful circumstances. But do not put this on when the kids or your sensitive-eyed relatives are going to be seeing either of these shows. These are definitely adult dramas. And the third one, for those of you who have the Showtime Network, is an extended series called Ray Donovan. Very gutsy, raw, noir, noir. Very rough going, but a terrific story, wonderful characters, and all of these shows will be with you for a long time to go. And the final one from last year is called Top of the Lake, set in New Zealand. Strong recommendation for all these shows. Three of them are miniseries. One is an extended series. Look them up on Netflix and then Ray Donovan on Showtime. And enjoy the new year with some of this adult-oriented entertainment. Back next week. Thanks for listening.
0: That was quite a bizarre coincidence because John got some stuff in from Winnegear just as I got my thing from Kickstarter, which I, sometimes I love, by the way, and that's going to be in another show, the successes in many, many failures I've had with Kickstarter. It's like a present from the past. I bought something, forgot about it, and then it arrived, and I got the Winner Gear curved screen protector that I'm going to be testing next week. Anyway, John, thank you once again for another cracking Nemo's hardware store. You can catch John over at the MyMac.com websites, links to everything mentioned in Nemo's hardware store will be in the show notes, along with where to purchase from, including Amazon. And by supporting us, you can do so... Let me try that again. You can support us by using our Amazon affiliate link. By using our link, any purchase you make, and it doesn't have to be anything we've mentioned on this show, simply by clicking it and going through to Amazon, will net us a very, very small amount of commission from whatever you buy. It doesn't cost you a thing or any extra work other than clicking on our link when you go to them. There's no extra charge added on top to help donate to us. There's no tick box. There's no selection. The price isn't bumped up at the checkout. All you have to do is check out in normal. So if you do a weekly, daily, monthly or whenever shop at Amazon, please, please, please consider using our link As it's a New Year show, I thought I'd do one of my reviews. And I've just finished reviewing the MyLupo Bluetooth Finding Tracker for Android, iPhone, phones and tablets. That's their title, not mine. Anyways, the Lupo is a device made in Britain, and it's a device that attaches to, well, your keyring, your bag, or anything else you want to attach it to. I've even want to one to my slippers because my dog keeps stealing them in the morning. Now, last year, I had one of these little key fob tracking devices in for review, and my main criticism of it was... It looks more like a child's toy than a serious gadget, but thankfully the version 2 has addressed all of these points in a much smarter and sleeker looking gadget. It's about the size of a 50 pence piece for us here in the UK, or I'm guessing a dime in America? I should go and look this up. But it's really, really light and doesn't take up any space at all on your keyring. You're not going to notice any extra weight. The construction, it's made from plastic, but it doesn't feel creaky at all. And like I said, it weighs next to nothing. The good news is, is that it does prise open with a little notch on the side and a small amount of force to reveal the PCB and the replaceable battery as well. So unlike these other tracking key fob device thingies out on the market, with this one you can actually replace the battery. Now I couldn't find an ingress protection rating to see if it's waterproof, but yet after being on my keyring for the last three months, it's, cop- no, it's coped nicely with the old splash of rain, being dropped onto the floor, being dropped into long wet grass and even one instant of another Labrador carrying it around in a mouth. If that isn't real world consumer testing, I don't know what it is. Now, given the lack of any rubber seals or grommets inside the device, I severely doubt it's going to be coping with being fully submerged, but it's going to handle a little bit, if that makes sense. Setting up and pairing well... Initially, pairing was, and I'm embarrassed to say this next bit, somewhat problematic. Despite clicking on the dialog box to allow the app to communicate with Bluetooth devices, it steadfastly refused to connect to the Lupo. The device was flashing after holding down the button after three seconds, and it was making all sorts of indications it was ready to pair, but it wasn't. It was only after my third attempt, uh, I realised I'd turned Bluetooth off. Turning Bluetooth on, unsurprisingly, well, it worked. Now, granted, this is a stupid mistake, but one perhaps that could have been sort of avoided with a dialog box and maybe there are going to be some people out there who aren't going to realise you need to have Bluetooth on. Once it's connected, you can give the Lupo a name, its colour. So if you want, you can name it car I'll leave one in your car. You can name it bag and carry it around with you so you can easily identifiable. You can get where I'm going with this. The settings are sparse but functional within the app itself. You can enable two-way communications between your iPhone and the Lupo. So if you lose your phone or your Lupo and providing you've got one or the other, you can press a button so it will let the other one start beeping. That's been quite handy. You can also enable or disable distance based alerts. So if it goes out of range and you don't know about it, it will trigger an alarm on your phone. But bear in mind, it doesn't override the phone silent mode, but it will still vibrate. So that's one thing. And if you want to, you can also turn off map tracking within the apps. If you want to save your battery life and turn off the GPS from within the Lupo, you can do. However, pay attention to the map bit coming up in a moment. with devices like this the first thing i always do is check the range now going to the mylupo.com website remember this will all be in the show notes it didn't give any information about the range so off i went to my local airfield now i chose this because it's an ideal location because there's no interference it's a flat land wide open space so it's got the best possible chance of succeeding to test the range, I set the Lupo down on a, on the floor and walked away from it in a straight line. I kept an iPhone app, and when it told me it was out of range, I put down a marker, walked back, got it back in range, and repeated for about 10 times. On average, it was hitting about 15, ma- 15 miles, 15, that'd be impressive, 15 metres before going out, um, going out of range. Indoors in my old building with incredibly thick stone walls, which is still standing after all the floods and winds that we've had, it was anywhere from about 5 to 10 metres. Now, on the app, there's no middle ground to let you know how far, how far away you are from the device. It simply tells you it's close by or out of range. Now, this is something that many other apps and many other devices of this sort do. So I'm not levelling this as a criticism towards a loophole, but more... Maybe it's a restriction of trying to work out how weak the Bluetooth signal is. I think I've seen it before in a device from Elgato where it had a bit of a range detection on there, but I need to go back and uh, revisit that. Responsiveness. Now, as I said a few moments ago, you can set up location-based alerts. So when you walk out of range... How quickly does it let you know you're either in range or out of range? Now, when I was walking out of range, it seemed to do it more or less bang on 15 meters every single time. Coming back into range, it was a lot, lot, lot shorter. And I reckon it would come back into range and update the status within about two to three meters of the loophole. This isn't too bad because I've tried other devices in the past that have been so, so slow to update. When you find it, or you're trying to find it from its last known location, you can just simply walk straight past it. And so much so that even if you're walking at a normal pace, you can walk past it and go back out of range before the app or the device has had time to do something sensible. However, the status updates on the app itself are, well, they're inconsistent, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Four out of 10 times, instead of changing the status from in range, or sorry, to in, it's close by to out of range and vice versa, it would simply change it to updating and just freeze until I walked out of range and then walked back into range and it would go updating and then it's close by. Now, I can only assume this is happening because it's doing some sort of background update, maybe. Maybe it's pulling the GPS location and waiting for a cell phone signal to update the map in the background. But four out of ten times just seem to be a little bit too, well, how do I put it? A bit too erratic to sort of have some faith in it. And this, bearing in mind, like I say, I'm in a wide open airfield here. There's a five star signal, five bar signal, I should say, and a full GPS lock. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Finding the device. So what did you do when you're trying to find your Lupo? Well, once you're out of range, you can use the last location feature, which pops up a map. Unfortunately, the map is as useless as its version one predecessor, because all you get is the basic Google map view. You don't get any street names or anything like that. You basically just get the standard vector frame map, which is okay sometimes. But let's say you're in the middle of nowhere and you've got a few points of reference, maybe on the horizon or maybe on the ground, maybe there's a statue or some stones and you could work it out, maybe, if you could see the satellite view or the hybrid view. Perhaps you want to know the street name or something like that. Well, you're out of luck because there's no option to change the map at all, which kind of really, really hampers the whole thing about finding a device, finding whatever you've lost. Easy, really. So it's, uh, it's just a huge, huge, huge omission not to have a hybrid view or a satellite view on here at all. Now, the good news is, is that once you're in range, you can activate the core me function and it will start beeping. And the beeping is, well, it's surprisingly loud. I think it was about 20 to 25 meters I could hear it from. Now, bearing in mind, it was a still day. Uh, in the middle of nowhere with no ambient noise. So that's what it's like on a perfect day. Maybe you're going to hear it within five to ten meters on a normal day with a bit of traffic. But the main point is here, you know, it's not too bad. There's one bonus feature as well, and it's like a little party piece that the clicker on the actual device itself will let you do things like control your camera shutter or control a PowerPoint presentation There is an SDK, if you want to get involved, which you can find at mylupo.com, where then it's not that big a deal. It's not bad. And if you want to take the selfies, without a selfie stick, because Lord only knows, selfie sticks around the world should just be banned and put onto a bonfire, and then those ashes should be put into a space shuttle then shot into the sun, so we have no more selfie sticks left in the world. It's not a bad alternative. So overall, well... There is a lot to like about the Lupo. It's small, lightweight, unobtrusive. The range is good, the responsiveness is good, and it might actually be useful for keeping a tab on things locally, but it's a shame the software lets itself down. Now granted, it didn't take me long to work out that when the status was stuck on updating, it actually meant that the device was in range, but, you know, again, this isn't exactly obvious. The maps. Now, perhaps there's a limitation of the mapping service and API, or maybe they don't have the funds to f- splash out to actually get satellite imagery. I don't know. But given the lack of a satellite view or hybrid view, it's just utterly bewildering. Given this is supposed to help you find your stuff, is this not a really serious and obvious omission? Anyways, with that in mind... I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, and this quite easily could have been an 8.5 out of 10, because it's one of the better tracking devices out there. It doesn't bother with all this social media stuff, although there are a few elements to it. It just concentrates on doing a basic job and doing it well. But like I say, it just lets itself down at the final hurdle. And you know what? I think that's as good as point as any to call it a show. As always, you can see all the links for this show over at essentialmark.co.uk and click on the Rampant Mumblings link on the top of the page. If you want to get in contact with the show, me or John, you can do so via the Essential Mac website or follow me on the Twitter at Oceanspeed. And finally, if you've got this show through iTunes, share the love. Or even better, leave us a review. We've not had a review now for this show since September last year. And I can say the word last year now. So come on, someone out there has got to feel the love and is going to take the plunge and is going to write a review and leave it. And we read out all the reviews on here, so if that isn't incentive enough... I don't know what is, but seriously, I hope you enjoyed the show. It's a little bit rushed this one because I'm already behind and I've got one more episode to do today. Hopefully next week I'm going to have a guest on that will tie in with what John said about content not being available in every area. And I might even have a show that's in association with, but stay tuned on that. So anyway, no matter where you are, what you've been doing, I hope you had a wonderful festive period. I hope the slog back to work hasn't been too bad. And until next time, if you can watch it, watch The Dance on BBC. And until then, until our next encounter, to da everyone.